Good morning. Welcome to Crime Talk BK. I'm your host, Joanne Perpich, along with Megan Duffy. She's finally back, y'all. I'm finally back. I didn't realize I was going to be so missed. I, I desperately missed you. I was droning on by myself like a fool. You were wonderful. <laughs> anyway, so uh, today on Crime Talk BK, we're just going to be... Uh, Continuing on with our um, potpourri episodes, it seems like people have been responding really well to that. And, of course, um, we love bringing you news. So, I, am a, I am a junkie for it. Um, and we have quite a bit of news today. Mm-hmm. If uh, you hear us talking about anything that uh, you have opinions on, please, 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 we would love it if you could call in. Our phone number is... Seven one eight nine two eight nine seven three two. Again, that is seven one eight nine two eight nine seven three two. Yes, listener, we are talking to you. Please, we would love to hear your voice. Don't be afraid. I was supposed to be like, we promise we won't kill you, and then I'm like, that joke probably doesn't play too well on a yeah murder. on a murder show. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but before we get to um some. Truly uh, puzzling murders this week. Uh, We have a few announcements. Uh, Radio Free Brooklyn's Drive to Five fundraising campaign is underway. In May, Radio Free Brooklyn turns five. I bet you didn't even realize that we'd grown up so fast. And we are hoping to hit our goal of $25,000 so that we can continue to bring you commercial-free independent radio for another five years. Um, so basically, if you uh, haven't been keeping up with Radio Free Brooklyn News, we have and always will be a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it is our pleasure to volunteer here, but we are volunteers. Um, truly, nobody is making money off of this. It is such a labor of love, but we really are so passionate about what we do. And we hope you're passionate about what we do, too. So please... Um, According Donate. to our listeners, they're passionate about us. <laughs> yeah, we've been um, ranked number one for a few months. I know, it's just exciting. It's, the fall is going to be so hard now. I know. Fall, <laughs> a very quick fall from grace. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we just want to get the word out that Radio Free Brooklyn is awesome, but we really do need our listeners' help um, to make sure that we keep the lights on. So you can donate at um, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash, I think it's donate. Um, yeah, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Um, but then also there's all these really awesome like grab bag and activities mm-hmm. um, as part of Drive for Five. So go to our website at um, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and there are plenty of places for you to click on to learn about the Drive for Five campaign. We're really excited. Yeah. Cool. All right. Oh, and one more thing. Um, if you want your voice to be on air, dial 718-673-8201. Leave a message about why you love Radio Free Brooklyn. Wish us happy birthday. You might be played on air. Again, that is 978-673-8201. Seven one eight. Yeah, I'm bad with numbers. I can't remember <laughs> things this early. Seven one eight. I still don't even have my new phone number memorized. That's okay. I have to like open a new email and it's read the new it in my signature. That's the new normal with cell phones. <laughs> like no one knows their own number. 
Anyway, um, so just, Megan, just real quick, how were your holidays? They were perfect. I didn't leave the house. Me and my cats drank wine, did laundry, cleaned it, ignored it for <laughs> almost two weeks. It was lovely. Any Christmas movies? No. Oh, no. No, girl. No, no, no holiday. I did watch Anderson Cooper get drunk in Times Square on New Year's Eve, which was it's always entertaining to watch him do shots with Andy Cohen. Um, that was pretty much it. I don't, I call, you know, I call my mom on Christmas Eve, call her on Christmas day. That's about it. Did you get anything fun? She Venmoed me some cash. Oh, that's helpful. <laughs> and, uh, my sister got me a couple of trinkets, which was really lovely. She's very into Christmas and I, yeah. I am not. So she knows that I am, <laughs> I'm the big curmudgeon. So I just, you know, I'm painting her walls as, as a. As a favor, I'm like that's fine. <laughs> I think my uh, Christmas was a little bit more um, eventful. Um, very special friend of the show, Ashton, and I went to Louisiana to hang out with his family. It's not, it sounded very festive. It was comparatively. <laughs> there were like three children under the age of ten, and I'm like laying in bed. It's like eight a.m. Christmas morning, and I just hear all this like bumping the, upstairs. Oh yeah, they're like, "We open the presents. We open the presents. We open the presents. Best presents. Here, here, here." Part was was that their dad is like standing in the hallway at the edge of the stairs to block them off from the <laughs> living room. That's the thing is, if there were children in my family under the age of twelve, I'd be a little more excited about it. But none of my siblings and I have children. It was exhausting. It's like I like theoretically want children. I I like love these kids. Yeah. Um. Because you can I, give them back. But I was like. <laughs> Like the amount of um, worry over like carpets and light fixtures and like, please don't touch that. It's hot. Mm. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> that's not how we did it in the 70s. Yeah. Stick your finger in that socket. It's fine. Maybe uh, you'll learn your lesson the first new, time. You'll get a new hairdo. Yep. Um, but I also watched this really amazing movie called Auntie Mame. <gasps> the original one? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. For the first time. It's so good. It is so good. I love her. So, I love her so much. Ups and downs. But that's their family's uh, Christmas movie. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's a Christmas tree in here for maybe 30 seconds. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good movie, though. <laughs> I love that movie. I was a uh, plot spoiler for a movie that came out in what, like the 40s? Uh, 1958. Yeah, late 50s. Um, So I was really sad when her Texas husband died. Oh, that bummed me out a little bit. Such a cute movie. Yeah, it was. Um, although there were a couple like awkward um, racial portrayals. Well, but that's yes. par for the course. For... But she was very open minded for the 50s. Yeah. Auntie Mame was. So you take it. It's a very funny movie. I definitely do recommend it. They talk to you a lot about um, Montessori School, alternative education. Yeah, alternative education. <laughs> Anyway, um, now that we've caught our uh, listeners up on the holidays, let's jump into some news of the week. And boy, what a week it's been. Ugh. Jesus Christ. If you haven't been terrified of the international news. Uh, yeah, so let's just jump into it. We're going to be going over um, this um, World War Three that seems to be breaking out on Iran's doorstep because... It's unlikely that anything's going to touch the United States. But, well, continental United States, anyway. Yeah. We have embassies. That's true. Um. So, what was your first thought when you when you heard about 
about this assassination? Uh, holy fuck was my first thought. This man has been around for a really long time, and I was wondering why now. Uh, I was thinking back to the invasion in 2003 when the government lied to us about uh, Iraq's ma- weapons of mass destruction in front of the UN. I was mm-hmm. thinking about uh, how badly that played out, knowing that Soleimani was involved in that war and knowing that Clinton and Obama had also refused to attack this man and because it, it would it's safer for the global community if we just leave him where he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought about, um, well, what kind of vacuum is that going to cause? Because he's not a one-man band. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, it's kind of a little bit like the devil you know, in a way. A little bit. Uh, uh, I also thought about, like, I get that there were threats to American citizens, but there's been quite a few threats to American citizens based on our president's fucking rhetoric so why this guy why now what about khashoggi mm-hmm. uh he was killed by you know in a, in, a, in a turkish embassy uh and he was an american citizen so i, I just i'm i'm as i t- said to you this morning like we can fucking talk about it but i am having a really hard time settling into any one idea that i can support at this point in terms of like what's going on yeah you're so much more thoughtful than I am <laughs> because when I heard about this first I'm like, well, that doesn't sound great. And then upon it's... further consideration, I was like, maybe I should buy some iodine tablets off of Amazon. Get your Yeah, girl. It's not great. It's not fucking great. You were your instincts were right. Um and I just uh, you know, and then there's this whole there's that whole thing where he's, you know, he did, he did it without consulting or dealing with Congress, but he can do that. Yeah. Under the War Powers Resolution of 1973. But those troops that he just sent over there can only be there for 60 days. Mm-hmm. Just enough time to cause chaos. Just enough time to blow the world apart. So just as a quick recap, let's say like what exactly happened. Um. So basically, uh, Suleimani is a top military official in Iran. He's actually number two in their government structure. Yeah, he's just under the Shah. And so this is like, it's like if Nancy Pelosi got assassinated or even, because we don't really have an equivalent to their position. Well, yeah, because our military isn't, isn't, our government isn't structured the same, right? So, so I would put it. I mean, he, if he's the second in command, it would have to be Mike Pence. But as the vice president, well, we can talk about that later. But let's talk about Mike. <laughs> he's got a role in this, too, because he's disseminating some bullshit theories still from that 9-11 back in 2000. He's still disseminating this bullshit information. You can tell this makes me really mad. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about first. Let's finish what happened and yeah. then we can go further. Um. Yeah, so just real quick rundown. OK, so this military, this military official, Suleimani, he's like at the airport. Uh, he gets, was he bombed or? It was a drone strike. Drone strike. So there's a drone strike. He dies. I think that there was like a handful of other, uh, militia members. There was one top Iraqi military guy that got killed too. Okay. And, um, all right. So why did this happen? Like on the ground? 
Um, let me see. So a few weeks ago, there was a. Um... Oh, here we go. It's so confusing. All right. So like long, very like TLDR. Uh, so Iran has been supporting these militias in Iraq. Mm hmm. And uh, the U.S. has been trying to, like, snipe away at some of these militias. There's been a lot of activity. This is nothing new. Um, well, just so happens that um, there was, like, this, like, militia attack. Um, people got, like, um, Iraqis got very upset. So then they uh, were basically protesting outside of the U.S. embassy in Baghdad. I don't want to say the word storming. Like, the office was basically empty like everyone was like on vacation and stuff but you know they got into the front office and they're like raising their fists and it's hard to storm a 140 acre embassy yeah number one number two you're right it was on new year's eve day yeah so so it was more like an angry protest like i feel like act up back in the 80s were probably a little bit more violent than than this was mm. um but you know like there's it was like kind of concerning you know definitely escalation so then of course um like trump looks at this um this embassy thing and he's like very upset this is on tuesday uh so he uh basically on twitter calls for yeah an attack on iran because he's saying that iran are like funding these militias and they're like the instigators in the arrest in iraq so then they snipe this official drone strike yeah not snipe uh, it's like colloquial. <laughs> okay, they drone strike. I don't. I don't think it's a snipe because if it was just a snipe, it would have just been him. But there was a lot. A lot of other lives lost in yeah. this drone strike. Anyway, so they killed Soleimani, and that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah, they killed him. Uh, their excuse is they that Soleimani was plotting imminent and sinister attacks on American diplomats and military personnel. But we caught him in the act. And we got him. Now, first of all, the phrase we got him is very reminiscent of when Obama took down Osama bin Laden. Mm -hmm. And uh, Trump has kind of been very jealous about that whole thing. So this is, this is another reason why I just like this whole dick wielding bullshit. Uh, but. Um, yeah, so he says he says that there's imminent disaster coming based on Suleimani. Mm -hmm. Imminent. Well, now, now there certainly is. Well, now there certainly is. Now, I don't, I know we don't know what the Pentagon knows. I know we don't know what our intelligence community knows. I'm, I'm also pretty sure that the president isn't fully briefed on our intelligence community because they're too afraid that he's going to leak information. Mm hmm. Huh. Well, that's the thing about it, you know, is is that, like, I just feel like Trump is not well-informed enough to make these calls. And I've actually heard from reporters, um, like, I was talking to someone, or I wasn't talking. I was listening to, so I felt like I was part of the conversation. That's what a podcast's all about. <laughs> the, NPR, the NPR Politics Podcast. And they had a reporter, oh, it was up first, but whatever, who actually was straight up like, yeah, you know, like, Soleimani has been a bad guy for a while, and I think that there are, like, reasonable explanations as to why um, we would assassinate him. And then there's, like, this big butt that's hanging in the air, which but is... Why now? Well, not just why now, but it could be that, like, 
Trump might have done this for reasons other than, you know, like. You mean a distraction from the military? Yeah. Distraction from the impeachment? Or the fact that Iran found 50 billion gallons of oil in their region in November? Or distraction from the impeachment in an election year? I'm definitely inclined to think that, like, in the front of his mind was possibly uh, the impeachment news, but then also that presidents tend to do really well in times of war. Yeah. Try to bring it. Uh, n- it secures his position more for the reelection. Yeah. Well, hey, 2003, Bush. Yeah. Although I still think I'd rather have Elizabeth Warren during World War Three than Trump, but that's just me. I'll have anybody during World War Three other than fucking Donald Trump. I'm sorry. I can't. Except for Mike Pence. He can also go bite it. Yeah, I'm not a great Mike Pence fan. I mean, okay, so another right? Mike Pence is tweeting uh, Suleimani is responsible for killing thousands of Americans, which is probably true. However, he's also saying that he assisted in the clandestine travel to Afghanistan. Ten of the 12 terrorists who carried out the September 11th attacks, which foreign policy experts were quick to point out were completely unfounded and fabricated and even their their statements of unsubstantiation was also uh, officially written in the 9-11 commission report so why the hell are they going around saying this bullshit because they need the public to believe in their in their in their false information to support this and I, 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 I can't, I just, I'm really having a hard time supporting this. Yeah. And I'm, not, it, I'm not saying he's, he's a good guy. I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he was probably better left where he was. Yeah. Globally for our global community. It's hard for me to tell how much um, is like propaganda versus truth threat from Iran at this point, because I feel like growing up, Iran was the boogeyman in the same way that Russia probably was during the 60s, you know, where you're like, oh, my goodness, like nuclear arms oh, the, and these people hate us. Be- and before the before the Berlin Wall came down, girl, Russia was a boogeyman in the 80s when I was a kid. Oh, it, yeah. was, it was Russia. It was still you were still dealing with, you know, the Soviet Union. And that was, is very scary when you're a kid. Sure. But it's like my first impression when I heard that we were like there's escalating tensions between the United States and Iran was just like, well, here it goes, because it's like it's been like so built up in like the American psyche that Iran is so dangerous. And it's like weird for me because I'm starting to understand that part of that probably is propaganda, but I but they probably are actually. I think a lot of it is. It's interesting, too, because of Trump's relationship with Putin and because Russia backs Iran. Yeah. They're allies. So what is this going to do for President Trump's relationship with Putin? Oh, I'm sure Putin's playing the long game and already knows all his moves. I'm pretty sure. Just something to think about. Yeah. Food for thought. And then uh, also uh, our New York tie-in for this is that Mary de Blasio said during a Friday press conference... Um, that uh, while there are like no specific reasons to expect attack an attack on New York from Iran, he is prepared. And so uh, the NYPD um, are going to be like out in force. Uh, they're probably going to have somewhat bigger guns than we're used to seeing. Right. 
which uh, it makes me so uncomfortable. I mean, like I kind I get it, you know, but like I I like used to work over um in the financial district and the Fulton Street stop. You'll oftentimes see police with like oh there like, yeah. giant yeah. like AK forty sevens or whatever strapped to them. <laughs> yeah, they're in Rock Center too. Yeah, and I'm just like no. <sighs> I know. Oh, either they're standing there with an AK forty seven strapped and looking at their social media. Like it's really. <laughs> I'm so glad you're paying attention. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice if de Blasio, and this is totally off topic and just a comment, but if he could, if he could get the, the police force out there to deal with these anti-Semitic attacks that we've been dealing with lately, that would be great. Yeah, for sure. So I don't have anything else. I addressed that last week. I don't have anything else I could say about that. It just keeps happening. Yeah, let's just have like a like 30 second tor- corner to talk about like hate and bigotry. One, super uncool. Two, I have a friend who is Jewish who's actually sort of becoming a public figure um, because they're like a very prolific like writer and big Twitter presence. And they've been targeted on like social media mm-hmm. to the point where they're like actually really freaked out and they live in New York. And so, of course, and that's, these New York attacks are is like it's so fucked up. You should be able to, you know, like practice your faith without being worried that someone's going to harm you. And even if, and, and like, anyone should feel safe, like walking to a bodega. And it's really upsetting that people don't. I know. And then, on that note, I'm sure we're going to see a whole slew of like Islamophobia and who knows what else scared of brown people now because of this whatever clusterfuck with Iran. So let's have like a, like hug a Persian day. I, you know, <laughs> on that note, I had this sweet, kind hearted Muslim guy pick me up for cash. Cause I couldn't get my American express card to work, drive me to my neighborhood, help me with all of these bags that I had. He was just a sweet delight. It was 10 o'clock at night. He didn't have to do it. But he did it. This is what I'm talking about. He, we, I'm just very grateful that there are people out there of other creeds and nationalities that still remain kind-hearted. Yeah. We're, we're with the government, not with the people. That's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. I don't know. Like, I read this really heartbreaking Facebook post this morning by a friend of mine whose family is from Iran, and he was just kind of like, listen, you have no idea what it was like being in middle school during... Um, the um, during 9-11 and he said like I sincerely hope that we're not going to go back to that level of Islamophobia oh but we will I know and it's going to be worse because of the fucking dumpster fire that's in the White House who will promote it he's been promoting it since his uh, Islamic travel ban the day he took office so on that rant let's move on to something lighter yeah, what, what have you got for me? Mm. Robert Durst. <laughs> it's just a brief thing. Um, and I, because I saw it on the way up here, lower my mic a little bit. Uh, so apparently on Christmas Day, Robert Durst's attorneys filed a stipulation saying that he, in fact, wrote the famous cadaver note. I'm shocked. I know. Woo. They're claiming it was strategy and that the document speaks for itself and that it doesn't actually imply that he killed Susan Berman. Now, let's just re- remind everybody what the cadaver note is. It is a 
if you watch the jinx, it's a letter that that was sent to the Beverly Hills Police Department with block writing and the and the let the word Beverly was misspelled. And then later it was compared to a letter that was that Robert Durst sent to Susan Berman, where he also misspelled the word Beverly in the same block writing on the envelope. So the whole inclination is that he wrote the letter, but he's denied writing the letter, denied it, denied it, denied But now he's, he and his attorneys, Dick DeGarren, from, also from the Jinx, and got him off in Texas. Uh, they, they say it's just a strategic decision. Uh, it is Exhibit 4 to a stipulation that was filed, obtained by the Daily News. And... Um, yeah, they just they are saying that it's it doesn't uh, prove or disprove that he killed Susan Berman. It is just of its face. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Trial starts this month. I'm so excited. Wow. Yes. Oh, so much. Um, oh, Robert we'll have now. to. This will be exciting. We'll have to. We'll have a. I'll keep Durst updates coming, but we should have like a recap. Recap episode. Yeah. After opening fun. statements. Um. I have a so I've talked to you before about my friend who used to work at a coffee shop in Houston that Robert yes, would visit the weird sandwich. Yeah, so she wants to actually I talked to her directly about it and she says she wants to remain anonymous in case Robert gets any ideas. Um, but yeah, so she said that his order because I asked her specifically was ham sandwich, hold the ham. Yeah, you'd you'd mention that we should what? have her we should have her call in on our recap. I know. Day. I wonder if she would do it. I bet she has, like, a ton of Robert Durst stories. Oh, and she said he would also, like, pee in the coffee shop if he got pissed. Well, he's been known his whole life to pee on anything, remember? But it was just, like... He has a tendency to pee on anything. Oh, my Lord. Anyway, um... Mm-hmm. Crazy town. I know. I can't I can't wait. Lots. A couple big trials are happening. Weinstein is happening next month. Ranieri's getting... Um, what's the name with Ranieri? Nixium, something's next month. Also, uh... His trial is, Durst's trial is starting next month. Busy, 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 busy. I'm going to be real busy. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, staying in Texas for a moment, um, do you remember that affluenza teen, Ethan Couch? Oh, fuck that guy. I know. Um, so he- Whereas him and his mom went on the run and got arrested in some bullshit hotel from ordering a pizza. Yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah. So he got arrested for violating his parole. Again? Yeah, again. Uh, because he tested positive for pot. I mean, come on. How long is this parole for the rest of his life? Five years? Okay, what? so it kind of like got changed up. All right, so uh, just to long story short, Ethan Couch, when he was 16, um, got in a drunk driving accident where he killed four people and injured nine others. I don't even know how you wipe out that many people. Well, the four people were in his car. Oh, they were? And then the other five were on the road. Yeah, it was people like on the side of the road who were helping someone whose car got broken yeah. down. Anyway, so he like kills a bunch of people. Um, he also had a pot prescription drugs in his system, along with being like drunk as a skunk. Uh, so he's given like 15 years probation. Because he's a good student and a because swimmer. He doesn't know better. Because he's he's a good kid. Yeah. That's what the judge said. All right. So anyway, so Ethan is just like rocking along on his probation. Um, and then he like drink too much one night, which is like uh, him breaking parole. Ugh. So him and his mother flee to Mexico. Logical. 
Um, so then after that, he's sentenced to prison for two years. Mm-hmm. And so he just got out. And now um, he uh, failed his drug test for with his parole officer. Later days, shit. And then it turns out, like, both his, his mom and his dad have been arrested as well mm-hmm. for, like, drug. And it's, like, dumb drug use. It's not like they're dealers. It's, like, being high on something while driving, driving. or what being a public nuisance with cracked out, whatever. And I'm just like, what's going on with this family? Yeah, well. I guess he gets there from somewhere. Yeah. But anyway, I, I have to say I lull no, every do, time I see his mugshot. Do you remember that old drug, uh, this is your brain on drugs commercial from the 80s? Did you ever see it? No. Where this dad is like screaming at this kid sitting on his bed and the kid's holding this box of, or the dad's like waving this box of drugs in the kid's face. And he's like, how did you look at this? Where did you? And the kid screams at him. Like, it's from you, dad. I learned it from watching you. And everybody starts crying. And then it's like, yeah, it's just very dramatic commercial from the 80s. No. Okay. <laughs> I do remember though. Um, Your brain on drugs. What was... What was that group that was like, say no to drugs? Uh, Above the influence or... I don't know. It was some like 80s campaign that like bled into the 90s about making sure that uh, teenagers don't like drink or do drugs or whatever. And so they had a police officer from like the Houston um, like vice unit come to our school. uh And they have like these kits. And so he was like, this is a vial of wav coke this is a whatever i'm not i'm sure it was probably fake yeah and then he's he not gonna has walk like in a no. breathalyzer a test high school that he with showed a us. he's like does someone... anyone volunteer to be breathalyzer we're like me 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 you know and oh, we we're like no. in fifth grade no 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 he's not gonna walk in a middle school i think he had school. like a dog with him and we're all like oh puppies puppies yeah it's probably all fake it's like salt sugar I think we got like wristbands being like, I vow to stay clean. <laughs> oh, and I'm Jesus, like, that's like a purity ring. I'm like, you're what talking the hell? to like 12 year olds and an all girls Catholic school. Oh, this is Jesus. like the easiest audience he's ever had. Oh, my God. Anyway, I went to Catholic school and none of us were like that. Ethan Couch needs to have been sat down by a scary police officer when he was 12 and he would not be where he is today. Maybe his parents did first before they had him. Just saying. I know I'm being judgy, but I can. I mean, Ethan Couch sucks. It's okay. Uh, his parents suck too, apparently. So watch out. What else? Do you, I see you clicking away on your. I phone. know. I'm excited about this. Okay, so let's talk about Gennaro Garcia Luna. You know who that is? No, I don't oh, know okay. any of this. Former Mexican security chief linked to the Sinaloa cartel, held without bail by Brooklyn federal judge, uh, on. Multi-million dollar bribery charges. Now, didn't we cover this? This is El Chapo adjacent. So, yeah, because wasn't he like working that prison or something where he escaped? Or he was basically the head of the Mexican DEA. And uh, let's see, blah 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 blah. So he was arrest- arrested on December 9th in Dallas, and then on the on the charges based in the Southern District of New York. Right. Mm-hmm. He's accused of turning a blind eye toward uh, El Chapo Guzman while serving as Mexico's Secretary of Public Security for six years from 2006 to 2012. Uh-huh. Um, 
blah, blah, blah. Oh, right after he finished that, though, he moved to Miami and then applied to be a naturalized U.S. citizen. And he worked very closely with the DEA and the Mexican government at the time he was this person. And if we think back to when we covered El Chapo. Um, OK, so let's see if I can find it. OK, so do you remember that guy? Um, Ismail Zam- Zamabada, who testified I think he was the same guy that had all that weird plastic surgery. Remember that guy? Yeah. Okay. Started, the plastic surgery thing started to come back a little okay. bit. Okay. Yeah. He turned into like this. Oh, Very God. memorable. E. Anyway. So he testified on the stand that he, he personally delivered $6 million in secret payoffs to Garcia Luna on behalf of El Chapo. So based on that information and further investigations, uh, the Southern District of New York issued an indictment and the feds caught him in Dallas. I don't know why he was in Dallas because he lived in Florida. Um, right. So popular tourist location. Yeah. I mean, I've been to Dallas and so, although unless you're in the deep Ellum neighborhood, I can't see what the real appeal is. Uh, okay. So. He was looking particularly disheveled, considering he always looked so dapper, which he would after having $6 million in bribes in your pocket. <laughs> his wife was there screaming mucho amo, which, and his son was there also creating some dramatics for the courtroom. Um, you think your coach, Sean, like, when did it, like, scream, like, affirmation or something, or... I mean, I feel like for sure this guy probably has like a really intense lawyer. Uh, his lawyer is court appointed. Oh, Caesar DeCastro. Um, he pled innocent to charges of cocaine trafficking, conspiracy, and making false statements on top of the bribery charges. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, so they revoked bail because he's obviously a flight risk. Just a little bit. Um, although his, his court appointed attorney, God bless his soul, was noting like he's not a flight risk. His family is here and blah, blah, blah. But they don't live here. They live in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. D-d-d-d, I think that's, I think that's all I have on that. Oh, so in exchange for the bribes that he received, the Sinaloa cartel obtained safe passage for passage for its drug shipments, uh, inside details of police investigations, and information about other drug cartels. So he's basically giving up all the goods. But I feel like $6 million over six years, if you're giving that kind of information, you're lowballing yourself, don't you think? I mean, really. But then why do you flee in 2012? Like, I mean, like they clearly know where they can find you. Yeah. Not like the cartel doesn't have a presence in the United States. You know, I just sort of wonder, like, what is going on with the cartel? I mean, I know that there's like. Well, you know, it's like the like the Italian mob families where you you have like these different groups yeah so um i'm sure that you know as soon as like el chapa's organization gets like dented a little bit people are going to come in and sweep it up and rebuild it but like 
Is there like any message getting across to them at all? Or are they just like, yeah, par for the course, whatever, keep on going? I think it's, I think it's the latter. Yeah. It's like just screaming into the void. Yeah. There's always going to be someone else to step up and take control of the regime. What do you think is needed for the um, Mexican cartels to actually be knocked out? Legalization of drugs in the United States. Yeah. Then they can just become a legitimate corporate business. There you go. Although I suspect that they're probably doing more than just drugs. Oh, I'm sure they're doing sex trafficking and all kinds of other things. Yeah. Just like the mob have their finger in every pot. But so I think the legalization of drugs would really put a huge dent in the profits of these places, of these groups. Yeah. Not to equivalize these two things, but legalize drugs and then sex Legal- work. Legalize drugs, legalize regular sex work, not underage children. Yeah. They can't legally consent in any state. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, but even grown women are being sex trafficked. Yeah, no, that's what I, like, when, yeah, when you so, say sex trafficking, like I definitely. So if we legalize it. It's like a lot of like teenagers, but then of course, you know, like they hit 18 and, and it's. Yeah. They're still being like abused and stuff like. Well, I guess I would like to think that like if sex, sex work was safe and legal, that. The trafficking people, would slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Same like thing. The yeah. It's the same argument. People who are going to sex traffickers for business would not. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same argument. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, cartels suck. <laughs> mm. What you got? Oh my goodness. Um, I have. Oh, this is kind of funny. Very heartwarming. All right. So there's like this package thief in uh, Crown Heights named Darren Ware, forty six. Um, we are definitely, uh, porch pirate. You. Is this the porch pirate? Yeah. Excellent. Well, I don't know if he is like known as the porch pirate. Well, no, no. A porch pirate is just a guy who steals your packages. Yeah, this is a porch He's pirate. not the porch pirate. Well, for all I know, maybe there's like this like secret organization that like live in the sewers. A and- cartel of porch pirates? Yeah. <laughs> a big cabal of porch pirates. And they like each Christmas like resell presents to Santa. I don't think they resell them. I think they hop, they pawn them, hawk them, give them to their families. What if it was like a thing of underwear? Like That's the that's the thing. They don't know what's in there. It could just be a huge flaming pile of dog poo. Which have I, I've seen like during the holiday season I saw these people were replacing their package Amazon packages with like joke things. Like yeah, like soiled baby diapers as a lure to catch people on their rings and then they they would record them and send them to the local police department but there you go you get a nice big huge box of soiled baby diapers for christmas that is disgusting it is disgusting but that's what you get that is what you get for being a dick don't be a porch pirate (laughs) anyway uh so darren Ware, porch pirate was confronted um by several crown heights residents (laughs) Um, so this is so amazing. Um, so this is um, at a President Street apartment in Crown Heights on Thursday at like 4.30 in the afternoon. Right. So like mm-hmm. not even really trying to hide. Uh, so, um, yeah. So like Porsche pirate guy is like snooping around and snags this Amazon package. So, of course, this neighbor like runs out with his cell phone and starts filming like screaming at the guy. And there's actually um, like a clip of it and you can hear him he's like what you doing put it back 
Aww. What's she doing? That's my neighbor. Stop it. Oh, that's so nice. And uh, so let me see. Uh, they like all the neighbors followed this guy like while on the phone with the police until mm. the police could arrest him. And so he has been charged with uh, petty larceny and criminal possession of stolen property. His past arrests also include petty loss, petty larceny, and then forcibly removing property. Forcibly removing property. Porsche pirate. Porsche pirate. Now I have to say is that um, Arg. <laughs> I just found this very gratifying because I'm always so paranoid about people stealing my packages. Um, I had someone steal my 45 pound chewy delivery. One your cat food. Twenty five pound box of litter. Three boxes of cat food. Three. Uh, cat grass things and some cat treats. It was at my mailboxes when I went out to have drinks at 6 p.m. I came home at 9.30 and it was gone. Was it like inside your apartment? Because you have that front lobby area. It was right by the mailboxes. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So I called Chewy. They were like, they sent it out. I had another one in two days. FedEx though keeps calling me to be like, we need more information. And I was like, as I told Chewy, it's not that you didn't deliver it. It was there. Someone took it. Yeah. But FedEx keeps calling me, asking me they want more information. And I'm like, that's all I have. It was there. And then it wasn't there. You should send them a photo of the place where it was just empty. Yeah. <laughs> be like, here you go. It was here. Big yeah. red arrow. Like, like, draw it in. Come on. Um... So I'd like to tell you about a crime that I witnessed. Oh, do tell. I was in Chopped on a... On a uh, Familiar with it. Used to drink with the gentleman that started it. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's very wealthy right now. I think so. I haven't seen him in years. Um, he's on, So there's a Chopped on Varick, um, over by like Varick and Houston. I like Yeah, I like Chopped. And uh, so it's like one of those weirdo stores where you have to order like on the app ahead of time Mm -hmm. and then they'll make it and they'll just put it in this thing. But There's no counter where you can order. And so a lot of people were like walking in there just being like, how does this work? And you order on your app. But the app was set. There's like a glitch in it where you couldn't um, like set it for like immediate pickup. Mm -hmm. So everyone's like waiting like 30 minutes for a stupid salad, which is unpleasant and chopped. You should fix that. So I was waiting in there for 30 minutes for my stupid salad. And I see these two kids. They're, I don't know, like, maybe like college age. I don't really feel like they were teenagers, but like younger 20s. And they ordered it. And then they're like, whoa, this is going to be 30 minutes. They complained to the woman. The woman's like, sorry, like, I we too many salads. Salads everywhere. So they start talking about trying to steal someone else's. And okay. they're trying to... You're bringing bad karma upon your own head if you steal someone else's fucking lunch. Excuse I me. I know. I'm like, someone had to wait 30 minutes for that. <coughs> and they're like, well, the bread's going to be all soggy. And they're like kind of joking about it with each other, trying to, you know, like get the balls to like do this. The bread is going to be soggy? That's yeah, your fucking right. argument? They put the bread in a bag. <laughs> but anyway, oh, the croutons. And so I'm, like, watching them, and then they start, like, looking at the labels, just being like, well, that song looks really good. Oh, that one looks tasty. Well, this one's been here for a while. And he picks one up and brings it over, and he's, like, laughing and rolling his eyes and stuff. And I'm, like, standing next to them. I go, did you really just take some of random person's salad? He's just like, calm down. I'm just looking at it. Uh Uh-huh. Well, he put it in a bag and then put it back. 
You don't look so at I it. I think that he you was, don't look at it with your hands, sir. I think that he was. He, I was surprised. I think that he was like put it in the bag to make it seem like he had like a legitimate reason to like. But I'm like, no, you're trying to steal that salad. Good for you, girl. So I saved somebody's lunch. Good for you. That's some good karma. <laughs> I was really mad. I've seen lots of people steal lots of shit out of Dwayne Reed. You know, oh, I don't care about Dwayne. I Reed. don't care about the Dwayne Reed. Like, I'm not going to get involved for a guy stealing 10 deodorants. That's not my problem. I'm not doing that. But it's like there's like a really hungry, stressed out office worker who's going to be confused that their lunch isn't there. Yeah, because the, and it's taken them 30 minutes to get there because their boss has stalled them with a last minute project. And they know that their salad is sitting there. And so when they get there, it should be there. So. Dick. That's a- well played. <laughs> I think we have time for one more. Um, quickly, let me see what I got. Uh, the decision to move Jeffrey Epstein's body after suicide violated federal prison guidelines, says report. That sounds like it would. I mean, I don't think we need a report for this. It sounds pretty logical and, and rational. Mm-hmm. Um, they violated federal protocol, uh, Forensic pathologist Michael Baden, who in a 60 Minutes interview recently said the EMS people normally should not have moved the dead body. As we recall, Mr. Baden has been hired by Mr. Epstein's brother Uh to investigate this. Um, Under federal prison guidelines, a suicide scene must be treated with the same level of protection as any crime scene in which a death occurred. So there's like no way the police ever do that. I think I think the police like if you don't know if it's a suicide or a murder, they treat it as a murder. No, I mean like when people like die in jails and stuff like that. Oh, I mean, I, feel like, I think they'll leave them there for a week. Yeah. Like they don't often care. Yeah. Right. Um. So as we also recall, a pair of prison guards were indicted uh, late last year for falsifying the prison logs and other records to cover up their failure to check on Epstein every thirty minutes. Uh, they were shopping on Wayfair and other things. Somebody's in trouble. Somebody going to get in trouble. Well, at least we hope someone's going to get in trouble. I don't know. Um, so, you know, like that whole Ep- the whole Epstein thing is stalled out because the ME in New York has declared that it was a suicide. But once but you know, Epstein didn't kill himself. I don't know. But yeah. uh, once the medical examiner puts that out there. No one else really gives a shit of what actually really happened. So the whole thing is kind of stalled out. And it's it's kind of disappointing because uh the you know, the the now women that he abused when they were underage and trafficked aren't gonna see real justice. It's gonna be like a it's gonna be like a shell of of what they can get. Or at least they won't see justice in regards to Epstein himself. Yeah. I'm still kind of holding out hope that his collaborators get. Oh, the feds are hunting down Ghislaine Maxwell as we sit here. Yeah. They're coming after her. So, I mean, like, we've talked about this before. It's It wasn't like Jeffrey Epstein, one creepo guy. It was like no, so, multi- so many people. Who a multitude of powerful him, men and women. Yeah. That, it, that either partook or ignored. By the way, did you see that guy that tried to snatch that young lady off the subway the I other know. day? Okay, talk let's talk about that. Let's talk about that fucking guy. 
Okay, so his name is Sonny Alloway. He's 48. He's from the Bronx. The video showed him poking this girl in the leg, going, hey, 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 hey. And then when the subway stopped, he like snatched her off the seat and ran off onto the platform with her where she's screaming and kicking and hollering. And he looks dumbfounded, like, why is she doing this? I'm like, because she was sitting there with her eyes closed. So you can't tell. Now he's stating that he was physically removing the victim from a situation. He's the hero. The situation. That, he's the situation. He's the fucking situation. So the situation, this situation happened at 2.30 in the morning on a Sunday at the Morrison Avenue, Soundview Avenue station. 48-year-old uh, Alloway is seen on uh, the video um, but then shortly after he's beaten up in succession three separate times because the video went viral. I kind of love that. I mean, vigilante justice can be tricky, but like, dude, I mean, and, you know, so he's coming out here saying like, the, you know, all y'all, you know, the, you're just judging on what you see on the video. It wasn't like that. And I'm like it was, dude, she was sleeping. She didn't say, help me, help me, help me. She was just sitting there minding her business. And you decided to drag her off the fucking train. Yeah. He's also been arrested since. But the police are still looking for her. So she may not come forward. She doesn't have to. Yeah. Because there's video evidence. I just can't imagine how scary that would be. Um, It's like, I really do sometimes wonder if men don't understand how uncomfortable they make women on the subway. I'm pretty sure that most of them don't. Like, I've definitely, like, had, like, I'll, like, walk into the subway, I'll look around, and I'll just be like, oh, God, I'm sitting next to this one guy, and I'm just getting vibes. Next car, please. Yeah. Or next train, please. I won't get on a crowded subway train, either. You won't? Mm -mm. Really? Why? I've been uh, groped and poked too many times on the crowded subway to, to allow that to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. 20 years in New York, you get a lot of groping and poking on the subway. I've been really, really lucky when it comes to that. The issues that I have are always like... So I like read my Kindle on the subway and I think that that gives some guys like an opening. I also have very poor eyesight. So I blow up the, the text really big. So If you're sitting next to me, it's very conceivable that you can read what I'm reading. Well, it's not like you're reading Fifty Shades of Grey. No, you're- I'm not. I'm reading like my like dumbass fantasy novels. <laughs> yeah. But there, but people be like, oh, what are you reading? Oh, like, who's that? And they'll start like talking to me about the character because they see some name on the page. And I'm just like, please stop. I know. And it's like, no matter what you do. Like, it's not going to deter them. And then it just starts feeling dangerous. It's well, Yeah, because you're a captive audience. There's nowhere to go. And then you don't know if they're going to grab you. And I know. it. It's just creepy. It's, it's just, yes, I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. Uh, well, on that note, um, our outro song is Know Your Rights by The Clash. And I was just wondering if, if uh, there's anything about this song that made you think of our show today. Um, it reminds me of the impeachment. It reminds me of voting rights. It reminds me of all things you need to get out there and pay attention to what you are entitled to under the Constitution of the United States and your other state laws and, uh, vote. And with that, this is Crime Talk BK. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be here. Um, let me see. The rerun is on Friday at two at 2 p.m. And then, of course, um, new episode recorded live 
Um, next Saturday, 11 a.m. to noon. And I'm hopefully to have the balance of the archives up this week. This is a public service announcement with guitar.